0: So, how do we begin to understand how we became so incredibly divided? This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome to the Thursday edition of Truth to Ponder. I'm your host, Bob Bierman. Before I begin, I want to thank Jim Calhoun for stepping up to the plate yesterday and helping me out in keeping this radio program going It takes a lot of time to produce Truth to Ponder each and every day. And while we are in Florida, currently working on several ministry projects and even a broadcast engineering project, time has become a bit of a problem. And so with Jim volunteering to to help me out, it's just been a huge help. And I, I want to thank him again publicly, and I hope you'll take the time to maybe email me things that I can forward to him. So I would appreciate you thanking Jim as well. I appreciate his insight and his willingness to help me during this very busy time. Well, last night I had one of my first decent night's sleep in a few days. Went to bed very early, got up, and had time to think as I prepared today's program. There have been some days where it's not been easy. And I was thinking of several topics to talk about today, and I'm gonna probably get to many of them because they're, they're interrelated. How have we become so divided? I don't remember when I was younger in my teens or even 20s after I got married, beginning my career. I don't remember the vitriol, the hatred, the anger like we see today. Oh yeah, there were always some groups that were mad, but they were small by comparison to the majority of people around us. We didn't see this foul mouth yelling and screaming and punching like we do today. We also have people divided into camps and they get into these camps and regardless of any facts before them, they refuse to listen. I saw an interesting thing. I I check out a bunch of news websites every day. Some that I subscribe to because it gives me information to help you so I can make sure what I'm sharing with you is accurate. And I even check out social media to see what people are thinking. And I ran across this, this little posting out of a county in western North Carolina. Now, before I tell you what it said, let me kind of explain to listeners that may not be familiar with the state of North Carolina. The state of North Carolina may be in the South, but it's not necessarily fully Southern anymore in culture. Things have changed dramatically over the past 50 years. When I say dramatically, I mean very dramatically in certain places in the state. Cities like Charlotte, well, of course, they're big cities, and you see all the the good things and the bad things of a big city. The Research Triangle area of Raleigh, Durham, Winston-Salem are dominated by educational institutions, and of course, the coastline speaks for itself. But then there's the Western North Carolina mountains, and and that part of North Carolina is rather unique you have areas within Western North Carolina that have been literally overtaken by people from other other states. A lot of people back in the 70s and 80s and 90s started to leave places like New York City, Long Island, New Jersey, especially those that were semi-retired or artistic or whatever the case may be, and they found they liked the mountains of North Carolina. They still could enjoy the winter without all the excessive snow. summers were were mild but not extremely hot. In other words, if you like four seasons without the abundance of snow all the time, Asheville, North Carolina, would be a good place to go. And a lot of people that I knew growing up as a as a young child in Long Island, I actually have found that I have people that I knew from 40 and 50 years ago that live in that part of North Carolina specifically for that reason. They never wanted to make the trek all the way to Florida because they they just were not ready for a tropic climate. But what's happened in, in certain parts of North Carolina? Not all the counties, but some have got these pockets of people that would be called by today's new terminology, they are woke. Uh, They are, some people would say, liberal, and that may be true to a degree. I think we need to double-check our terms. But politically, they lean not so much being a Democrat, they, they lean toward the left. And many of the people that have made a massive impact on places like in Asheville, North Carolina, were the ones that were back in the sixties the the hippies and counterculturists of the day. They found their way to North Carolina as kind of a refuge. And over time, the character of that particular county, or just a big part of it, around the city of Asheville and a few others, has changed. I can remember what it was like twenty-five years ago. Nothing like today. Today, Asheville, North Carolina, Buncombe County, and, and some other areas within Western North Carolina suffer what I call wokeism. They believe this new ideology. They supported Biden in the election. They supported Obama. And, and over the past 10 or 12, 13, 14 years, they have gone from being a somewhat conservative socially conservative, fiscally conservative area to being a very, what they would call, progressive in their minds area. And so there was this posting that showed up in social media and it talked about Buncombe County is going to continue a mask mandate to stop the spread of the coronavirus and the Omicron or whatever it is variant until at least January the 5th. So everybody's got to wear a face, face covering. they are big believers in it there these days. Because that's what the president says. That's what Dr. Fauci says. That's what a lot of people that have politicized this virus have stated. Everybody must wear a face mask and they all must be vaccinated. So let's, I looked at the comments section to see what the people there had to say. And it was divided About 50-50. Those that thought the mask mandates were just absolutely ridiculous and others that were so thankful that we're going to fight and win over this virus by everybody wearing a face diaper. It's going to stop it cold in its tracks. Well, that's not the reality. Where they are in North Carolina, their infection rate is at a certain level. I live in Florida. The infection rate down here is vastly lower than anywhere else in the United States. We, we have the lowest infection and death rate of any of the 50 states, and we're a big state. There's 23 million of us or more here in Florida, and I think that number goes up a 1,000 or so a day or a week or something. It's, it's really climbing rapidly, yet this state is doing so much better. Why? Because contrary to what a lot of people said, when the decision was made based on real science and looking at what was going on in the world, the decision was made to ease the lockdowns much earlier. We opened in-person schools last fall. Not this fall, last fall. And yes, parents were given a choice of they wanted to keep their child on, on virtual learning and maybe be in school, part-time, whatever. They, they had that choice. But many students returned to school. The face mask mandates disappeared. Though some localities tried to enforce them, the state said, you can't enforce this because there's no scientific evidence that they work. And so I'm looking at what everybody is saying around Asheville, North Carolina and in Buncombe County, which is a big blue pimple in an otherwise red region of North Carolina. And they're all so thrilled, yes, we're going to save ourselves from the virus with everybody wearing a mask and getting vaccinated, yet the numbers don't hold up. Of course, they've been doing this since like last uh, March, April, they've been doing the mandatory this, the mandatory that, and the mandatory the other. And what good has it gotten them? It hasn't. And so there is this division and it's vitriol and it's angry. Only a an evil and narcissistic and selfish person would not wear a mask because you're going to kill me if you don't. Well, if a mask works, why does everybody have to wear one? If a vaccine works, it's kind of like, you know, I got a headache. Would you take an aspirin to get rid of my headache? I'm cold. Would you put on a winter jacket because I'm freezing? doesn't make any sense. But we have divided ourselves in such an incredible way. I mean, it's just, it's mind-blowing. It's mind-boggling. It's just craziness. How we have allowed ourselves to become so divided And it's all based on politics and emotion and really, if you do some research, it's certainly not based on what Dr. Fauci tries to tell us, the science. The science has not been on Dr. Fauci's side as you look at history for over 40 years. 40 years! Let me say that again so it sinks in. 40 years. The science has not really backed up much of what Dr Fauci has done. He has been a well-paid, well-entrenched federal bureaucrat making more money than anybody else including the president in the federal government. Highest paid federal employee with all the benefits to go with it. And up until recently, he never was challenged in anything that he ever did. He was the talk, you know, top dog in what he his agency and what he said is what the policy was. And now with the coronavirus, he thinks he still has that untouchable aspect to who he is. But as my wife likes to remind me about the emperor's new clothes, that narrative is beginning, it's beginning to fall apart. So everybody's talking about why everybody must wear a mask so we can protect each other from the virus. You know, this scary virus that's going to wipe out millions upon millions of people in the United States if we don't vaccinate, if if we don't wear a face covering. Then you look at where North Carolina ranks compared to a state like Florida, Texas, and others. And they're kind of average. Some states are, are, you know, doing terrible where they've really locked down. Michigan is one, comes to mind. The number of infections per 100,000 people is a lot higher than a place like Florida where you may average six people per 100,000 testing positive for whatever that is worth. And in Michigan, 85 or more per 100,000. You know, 10, 12 times higher rate. And, And those are the places that have had these stringent lockdowns. You remember the governor of the state of Michigan said last year you couldn't even buy garden implements. That may spread the virus. You couldn't, you couldn't go to Walmart and buy certain things. You couldn't go to Home Depot. You had a limited shopping list, according to the governor, for your own well-being. And yet those states don't do as well all year round. It almost doesn't make any sense. But we are so divided... Now, last week, if you want to use some science, because a lot of people talk about, well, wouldn't a face mask, you know, uh, wouldn't it stop a virus? No, never has. Well, there are certain types that do, but nobody wears them. You couldn't, you couldn't afford them. We can't be running around wearing hazmat suits for the rest of our lives. Life has got to go on at some point. The human body's ability, the immune system to attack and deal and remember the things that it encounters is now being impaired by the stupidity of those in leadership. Yet, we've turned something like a pandemic into a political theater. It's a political program. It's political propaganda. It's political pandering. Joe Biden said last year, and I'm not trying to be political in this, that you know he could fix the virus. Just, soon as I get into office, I'll get it taken care of, mark my words. And so he had pretty much free reign for quite a while. And his results were dismal compared to what had been going on prior to him. So what did we accomplish with all his mandates, all his dictates? Not a whole lot. And all the states that try to follow his lead have not done that well. And the ones that have decided to resort to real science have found that they do much better with real science versus phony science. Are you following me so far? Is any of this resonating with you? Is any of this making sense? Like I say, I looked at the comments and everybody was saying, well, you know, one time I knew somebody that tested positive. And. And I was around him a couple of times and I wore a face mask and see, I didn't get it. So the face mask must have done it. Well, we also learned over the past year, this idea of asymptomatic spread is a bunch of nonsense. They can't prove it. It was a great theory. It was a great pronouncement, but it was never based in any kind of a fact. Study after study out of reputable universities and think tanks and people that are medical professionals They can't really find this idea of asymptomatic spread. So, get a PCR test with a high CT cycle threshold. If you had the flu last year, it may show up as a positive coronavirus today. We never really did have the real sequencing. And the inventor of the PCR test himself said, never use this as your sole diagnostic. You're just amplifying a bunch of stuff. That may or may not be what you're looking for, but it gives you an idea you may need to look deeper. That's all it does. But we've used this test as the benchmark standard to say you've got the virus and you don't. And we've learned that depending upon the cycle threshold, the error rate can be 50%. It can be 97% if run too high. So when somebody says I was near somebody that tested positive, I saw where somebody asked a question, so how sick were they? And the answer was, well, they really weren't, but they tested positive, so they must have had the virus. See, you see where the logic is. The positive test, this person is now a leper, and I was near him, and I wore a face mask, and I didn't get it. I never got sick. Now, now just so you know, I think it was last week, maybe the week before, I can't remember, I read it a lot about it, Oxford University has been around a long, long time. And while I'm sure like any university in the Western world today, it has its share of wokeness, unfortunately, you know that and I know that, overall, they do have, even to this day, quite a bit of credibility. And so they decided for a long period of time to study a large number of people in a double-blind double-blind testing to find out just how much benefit we get out of wearing a face mask. Now, we're talking thousands of people looked over for many, many months, and they carefully analyzed the double-blind data. And here were the results. They couldn't find any statistical difference between the two groups in terms of coming down with COVID-19 or spreading COVID-19 among those that they were with. There was no statistical evidence to show any benefit whatsoever to wearing a face mask. Now, you would think that should be big news, should be a front-page headline Something we have learned about the virus, a face mask is not going to help you, so what can? But no, it becomes the political fashion statement that I must wear a mask because the mask is going to be magic and it's going it's the magic mask is going to protect me from the, the mystery virus that I can't see. Me and my magic mask, I wear it. Now, here's what we do know from other studies about wearing a face covering, particularly in young children. I've done this little test myself and it's pretty easy to do. Little pulse ox thing you put on your finger. Ever seen those? It measures your your pulse rate and your oxygen level. I'm 67, so I'm very happy when I see a number like 98 or 99% on my finger with with my oxygen level. And I can walk around the house, and I can do a few errands and and that goes down just a little bit as to be expected and it goes right back up just like the normal body would. Now, put on a face covering and there's a dramatic decrease in the oxygen level that can be measured on that device. Within a matter of minutes it goes down significantly. I can remember trying to wear some of these things and at my age and everything else, I I, I would, after a while, like in a grocery store, say, I got to go to the car. I got to take this thing off. I I can't think straight. Why? Because not only am I decreasing my O2 level, I am gradually raising my CO2 level in my bloodstream. That makes no sense. Why would we want to do that? And particularly with young children, why would we want to put a face covering on a five-year-old? on a six-year-old, on a seven-year-old, because the teachers' union said, your little child is going to kill me if he doesn't wear a face mask because he's going to give me the coronavirus and I'm going to die. We've known for a year, and every study that has come out since has said the same exact thing. Children are not the real spreaders of a coronavirus. They're very inefficient spreaders, number one. They recover rapidly, number two. Number three, as we've learned, this concept of asymptomatic spread was a guess. It was a hypothesis that can't be proven. Fauci talked about that asymptomatic spread. That's why we must social distance. You may not know that you're not sick or you may not know you're carrying. You may never get sick, but you're going to make five other people die. This is the kind of fear we've had. And the worst part is, when you have a pandemic like this, you always go back to the words of Clinton advisor Rahm Emanuel in the 1990s, who actually said, never let a good crisis go to waste. And those that want to control your lives, those that want to be your rulers, not your elected leaders and servants they want to change that mantra they don't want to be they don't want to be servants of the people they want to be rulers of the people they want to be among the elite and they exercise this power claiming it's all in the public good it's all for your own benefit your own health go over history and look at how many other dictators How many other murderous tyrants, people of evil heart and no conscience, demonically possessed, I believe, in many cases? How many of them said, I'm doing this for your own good, for your own benefit and for your welfare, obey me or else? The insanity going on right now in countries like Australia is alarming, and the words that I've repeated over and over over again on this program are so apropos. This mass delusion that God will give to the people that decide they're going to believe the lie. And in many ways, seeing the draconian measures in countries like Australia, New Zealand, and Canada, Germany, Austria, they all make perfect sense to me now for one reason. These are countries that at one time in their history could honestly be considered what might be considered a generally Christian nation. A significant number of people would go to church. And even if people were not Well, true believers, I'll just come out and say it. At least they were not cursing God openly. They were not mocking him. They may not fully understand or accept him, but they were not in hostile rebellion openly, violently, angrily, and vulgarly, you know, with vulgarity. Nations like Australia, New Zealand, and England, United Kingdom, and Germany, and Austria, and France, all have one thing in common. They have been not walking away from their Christian heritage, they've been running away from that heritage, screaming and cursing God every step of the way. What percentage of people do you think go to church in Australia? (laughs) It's tiny. Same in United Kingdom, same in France, Same in Germany, and many of the churches left in those nations have also become woke, as they say. They have embraced cultural theology, not biblical theology, and they're paying the price. They have chosen to believe the lie. They have chosen a lie over truth. They have cursed God. They have mocked God. The Bible says God (laughs) God will not be mocked. And the Bible promises that he shall send a delusion upon them, that they will believe the lie even more fervently than they did before. And friends, that's where we are today in much of our Western world. Now, there are some other things that I want to get into in just a little bit that all dovetail with everything i just told you i use this one example of how this fear this propaganda this division is being used to control us you know it's been said a house divided among itself is going to it's going to fail it's going to fall and the best way to get control of people is to divide them extremely divide them which is exactly what i believe has happened to us in my lifetime. Like I said, I don't remember this kind of division. I don't remember people just wearing their politics on their sleeves and and in every aspect of their life. I I just don't remember it. We were busy getting, I used to work on radio as as an announcer. Nobody cared about my politics. I didn't talk about politics. Nobody cared about it. People live their lives. They tried to have a better life for themselves and their families. But as these 1960s radicalized individuals became our our teachers, our college professors, our lawyers, and our politicians, they have inflicted a huge amount of damage. And under their influence, we've encouraged generations just to simply ignored the precepts of an almighty God. And now we are paying a price. In a couple of minutes, I'm going to talk about the terminology that we use today and how even the terms have been modified and changed to keep us even more confused. Do you believe in the work that we're doing here at Truth to Ponder? I want you to visit the website. If you haven't been to the website, Sometimes, week by week, the numbers go way up. Sometimes they're down, like Thanksgiving week, which didn't surprise me. But one of the things that I'm really trying to do, and I started talking about it at the end of November, I really want to, this month, get a full handle on how people are listening to this program. And I've got several reasons I'm trying to do this. Number one, I want to be a good steward in investing the money that comes to this program into platforms and outlets, in other words, stations that can produce. And I want to look at places where the program can even grow and expand. Other frequencies, other times, other directions. And there's a large chunk of the United States that this program really doesn't doesn't cover every day. And I'm working on changing that as we get into the new year. And I think it's important to know how you're listening now. I'm beginning to get a handle from a number of you. I can't begin to thank you enough for taking the time to send an email. And as I've said before, and I'll say it again, if you send me a direct email, and my direct email that nobody but myself reads is bob at truth2ponder.com, bob at truth2ponder.com, I may get a chance to write you back in a few days. Not some days I just don't have the time. But I'm not going to put you on some kind of a mailing list, just so you know. You're not going to start getting like a lot of places, you know, an email three, four, or ten times a week asking for money. I'm not going to do that. I'm just not. I don't I, I think that if God leads you to support this program, wonderful. And I appreciate it and I thank you in advance but I'm not gonna play a bunch of marketing games to increase my mailing list. I thought about it when I started the program and I just decided I'm not gonna work in that direction. I wanna be more trusting on God and his people and do what St. Paul says, let the need be made known. I'm not gonna have to sit here and manipulate you. I'm just gonna say, hey, every month, we spend the month raising the money so we can cover the bills going into the next month. We pay for our airtime in advance, and because of your giving in November, December is covered. And now, during this month of December, I'm praying that we cover January, and maybe if there's a little extra, we're going to look at how to grow the program. I think we, we've we've hit a plateau for the time being, and I think that the, the program could grow significantly in the in the next year. It's going to be a very critical year. And no, we're not going to fix it at the ballot box, but the ballot box is just a an extension of part of the things we need to do. Now, there are two ways you can support us. If you want, you can support us from the website, and many of you do, and I, I appreciate it tremendously, which is truth 2 and look for the word support in the menu. And we're using, not my favorite company, but I'm trying to find one better. Maybe you know one better, let me know. Or you can mail a check made payable to Ancient Word Radio. That's Ancient Word Radio. And the mailing address is Truth to Ponder, 5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248. That's 5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248 in Crestview, Florida. 32536. Once again, Truth to Ponder, 5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248, Crestview, Florida, 32536. Like I say, make the check payable to Ancient Word Radio. By the way, Ancient Word Radio is a website that I set up about almost four years ago now. It's ancientwordradio.com. And the only thing there is a music channel of sacred almost classical type sacred music. One of my goals in 2022, if I can get a little bit of help, I'm gonna expand at least one more audio channel of some favorite hymns and songs and melodies, all Christ-centered, not me-centered. And then the next one after that will be a talk and teaching channel, all from one location. And it should work just fine on your phone and on your computer. So that's something else, ancientwordradio.com. Now, like I say, when we get back, I'm going to start talking about how language has been manipulated and how we really need to redefine the terms. This
1: is Truth to Ponder. With Bob Beerman, the bold foot move coming up. Shalom alechem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. Ruth, the Moabite, the Gentile, goes down to the threshing floor and finds Boaz there sleeping. She lays down next to him, she uncovers his feet. Now, this is a bold thing to do. She's a Gentile. She's an outcast. She has no right. She's poor. Yet she does a very bold thing. And he's startled. He wakes up. He says, who are you? He says, I'm Ruth. She says, I'm Ruth. And spread your garment over me because you are a kinsman redeemer. And he does. He spreads his garment. And that means that she's covered and she becomes his wife and he becomes her husband. A beautiful story. But you know, it's a real lesson about you and Messiah because we're like Ruth. We're outcasts. And We need to come boldly to him, you know, and especially when you fall and you messed up in sin, you need to come boldly there, you know. We have no rights. We're outsiders. But by the mercy and the grace of God, we can come boldly. The more distant you feel from God, don't withdraw from Him. Just because you have no rights, don't withdraw. Come boldly to Him. Come boldly receive His grace. Boldly receive His love. Confidently receive His forgiveness. You see, the the less you deserve it, the more you have to come and apprehend it. Be strong about reaching out to His goodness and pulling it over your life and asking Him, listen, cover me, Lord, because you are my redeemer and he will by his grace gladly cover you with his love but it all begins with with a bold foot move want more ask for uncovering his feet now imagine being plugged into a special line let you know news future events news behind the news biblical prophecy updates on Israel what you need to know as an end time believer and teachings and strength for every day of your week and the mystery of the temple doors all free how do you get all this free easy just remember Jesus is real Hebrew name and you dial it that's it it's Yeshua so just dial 1-800-YESHUA-1 and you will be blessed with free gifts but call now that's one 800 Y E S H U A, one. I invite you to join me to reach the unreached peoples of the world in the most incredible way—from Moscow to Madagascar, even to Jerusalem just call 1-800-YESHUA-1 and you'll have a great part in the end time harvest around the world that's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1 or write me direct The Nice Jewish Boy Box 1111 Lodi L-O-D-I New Jersey 07644 It's The Nice Jewish Boy It's Box 1111 Lodi L-O-D-I New Jersey 07644 Till next time this is Jonathan Kahn saying come into his presence boldly. Shalom Aleichem. Peace be to you, my friend and Messiah. HaGoel, your kinsman redeemer.
0: This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And we welcome you back to part two of Truth to Ponder here on this Thursday. When I left off, I was talking about the idea of the language, the words, the terminology that we use today. Now, whether you like the guy or not is irrelevant. But many years ago, Rush Limbaugh made a statement that is very true when he said it. It's even more true today, a decade or so later. He once said, words have meanings. And that's very true. Problem is over time, many of the words in our language begin to be, and I'm choosing this word carefully, eroded. In other words, the meaning of the words begin to become eroded and gradually are morphed into something else. Let me give you a classic example. The word gay. Now, see, back in the 1920s and the 1930s, a lot of songs talked about being happy and gay. But today, the word gay has a totally different meaning to the majority of people, especially those that are born, let's say, after 1970 or 1980. The word gay is no longer a state of happiness. It's a state of sexuality. The word has been eroded then morphed and changed and co-opted. I can remember the 1980s. Ronald Reagan, even in the 1960s, talked a lot about liberals and liberal policies. And, And he talked about how some of those policies may not really be as beneficial as claimed. Today, we still use that word liberal We've lost sight of what it originally meant If you go to Classic liberalism, let's go back to the 1960s and what I would call Some of the classic Liberals of the 1960s And and one name comes to mind Hubert Humphrey Senator from The state of Minnesota And he was an avowed Democrat and liberal of his Era and time He still believed In In a great America, a prosperous America, a free America, it's just the way he wanted people to benefit was a little different than those that had a more reserved view, those that would be called conservatives of that era. In other words, in its truest form, classic liberalism was not necessarily any kind of an evil ideology. It was not a totalitarian ideology. People like Hubert Humphrey, I think, they meant well to have a better, better world for everybody. And I don't think anybody is against that. It's just how you get there, and it is a is it a practical and reasonable way to do it? Well, that gradually morphed into equal outcomes for everybody, regardless social promotion in education. Everybody's a winner. There are no losers. Began to become part of what was then the liberal mantra. And really what they were doing was taking the word liberal, which back in the 1960s was not necessarily a bad thing. Remember, many people that were classic liberals had fought in World War II. They were pro-America. They were pro-family. They were pro-prosperity. They were for all the things that most people would want for themselves and their families, their children and grandchildren. Just how do we get there? But see, the left is clever. And the left doesn't have to be instantly appeased to get their way. In other words, people like Stalin, Lenin, Marx, all of those who believed in, in authoritarian communism knew they may not get their full ideals even in their own lifetime, but that didn't stop them from moving forward with their agenda. We in the United States, especially those that are conservative, are looking for instant this or instant that or a sudden change. And if we don't get what we want, we get very frustrated and we take our marbles and go home. A lot of conservative people say, well, I'm not going to bother to vote. My vote doesn't count anyway. Well, it does. Because when enough people get tired of voting, then cheating and voting becomes even easier to do. Because you don't need as much. And it may not be as noticeable. So the terms have been changed. I choose to use words like left and right versus liberal and conservative because too much those words have lost their original meanings. I was watching a video of a television show from 1972 and it was a news interview program. I believe it was William F. Buckley talking, I can't remember the guy, but he was in academics and they were talking about what they were seeing just a few years before, the beginning of what they predicted would be a huge cultural shift in the United States and really in much of the world. Because of the revolution of the 1960s, the hippie generation I mentioned before, the flower children that have now become our politicians, they become our lawyers, they have become in charge of businesses and everything else. And they bought that ideology with them as they got older and got into power and control. And they were predicting much of what we're seeing today if the trend continued unabated. They predicted this gradual erosion and takeover of the educational system. Now, in 1972, 1970, 1968, I don't think most people would believe what education then compared to now that we would ever get where we are now. But too many of us that graduated school in the early 1970s and college and what have you, we were so busy getting on with our lives. And we we just kind of assumed that education would be what we had always known it to be. As our children, and now in my case, grandchildren go to school and you start talking to these children, realize education has been dramatically changed from what it once was. And many school districts openly lie to parents about what they're really teaching. They find ways to keep the grade point average looking reasonable, the graduation rates looking outstanding, to appease the parents while never letting them really understand what their children are actually being taught. They predicted that by co-opting education and beginning to change the minds and the character and the belief system of young people that within a generation, we would change our nation. See, once again, those that believe in totalitarian ideas, they, they know they may not see the full effect of what they're trying to accomplish in their lifetime, though some did but they believe that is their quest. They are just single-minded in that pursuit. And conservatives, like I say, we don't get our way. Many of them just say, well, I'm not gonna vote. I'm not gonna participate, I'm done. And the left wins, not the liberals, the left. Like I say, over history, there's some liberals out there. I can appreciate what they believed in and what they were trying to push for on some levels, I may not agree in their methodology. I may not agree in the idea of equal outcomes. I don't think that's realistic. But I wouldn't wouldn't call somebody like a Hubert Humphrey an anti-American and a lot of others of that era. They were people doing what they thought was the right thing. And many grabbed onto that moving forward and got into that party dividing people and pushing a very nefarious agenda but not all at once just one tiny piece at a time almost not even noticeable over a period of 40 or 50 years i think it's 1972 was the premiere of the program all in the family archie bunker you remember that tv series if you're old enough it was on It was the beginning of a gradual change in television. Now, prior to that time, CBS was always considered on television and even radio the Tiffany network. In other words, nothing but high-class programming. Even in the 1950s, when they were still doing old-time type radio drama, they had the CBS radio theater. Well-written, well-produced, excellent material, a lot of talent, a lot of effort, a lot of work. In other words, it was classy. And their TV programs tended to be very much G-rated. Even Carol Burnett may have pushed the limits slightly, but it was still generally considered funny and family entertainment that took a lot of effort and talent. Somewhere along the way, as we got into the 1970s, CBS decided to become a little bit more edgy a little bit more profane, a little bit more worldly. And so one program at a time, CBS began to introduce programming that was a radical departure from what had been seen just four or five years before. All in the family, Maud, just to name two that come to mind. And now, and even in the soap operas, sexuality began to creep in that wasn't there in the 1950s or 1960s. And even if it was, you really had to understand and think deeply in your own mind. It wasn't blatant. But television changed. Radio standards changed. Songs that I couldn't play on radio in 1972 can be played today, coming into 2022, without any any concern at all. Our standards have been eroded. Our language has been eroded. Our moral standing has been eroded. Our conscience has been eroded. Our mouths, I saw an article the other day. And I'm not picking on Democrats per se. I'm sure there are a lot of Republicans and others as well. But it's a well-known secret in Washington, D.C., that Many well-known Democrat politicians have got basically flushable mouths. They, they got potty mouths. And, and they don't care how many times they drop F-bombs and other words in conversation with people. They just don't. They, they, they have no filter anymore. They just come out and say obscene things. And for them, it's normal. They have had all these years of this erosion Which they have been a part of in pursuing in their careers and their ideology that have damaged the fabric of our nation, our country, and our world. The Bible predicts what's called a great falling away. And there's no doubt in my mind. I'm not saying that the United States or Canada or any other country was truly ever a perfectly Christian nation, that never happened. That's just an illusion. That's just a fantasy. That's just something that many people would like to believe. But, but there was enough people in the United States 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 150 years ago and more that were believers. And they they exemplified what Jesus said that Christians and followers of Christ are the salt and light of this world. There was enough They have not even been the majority, but there was enough to temper the society in which they lived. Salt is a preservative. Light exposes the works of darkness. And as Christians have begun to hide their light under a bushel basket, as they have decided not to engage or just capitulate to the world, many churches have become, they they try to emulate the world to attract people. You can't do that. I see ministers make statements like, this is not your grandfather's church or grandmother's church. Well, maybe it should be. Maybe we ought to talk about sin again. Maybe we ought to read the scripture again. Maybe instead of having pep talks and music about me and how I feel today, maybe we need to have music that is centered on the divinity and the lordship of Jesus Christ and our inadequacy. Maybe instead of cherry picking Bible verses that make us feel good about ourselves, we should find out what St. Paul and others said, what our true nature is, and our need for repentance, and our need to be cleansed by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. There's no good in us. We are born in sin, we need a Savior. And too many churches are trying to adapt to the world to keep people coming in, keeping people, you know, filling the seats. Many of those churches were in for a huge shock during the coronavirus when they couldn't meet and they scrambled to get online. Had a listener write, oh, this has got to be maybe last September, October, early in the days of the program. And she wrote something and she heard me talk about this very thing on one of the early Truth to Ponder programs. And she said, I I can't begin to tell you how right you are in what your assessment is. She said, I went to one of those kind of churches you're talking about, did for years. She had been a new Christian, came to a community type church and, and she thought that's all there is. This is what worship is all about. And I felt good about myself. This is where you have, you come together and the and the praise band is doing their thing and you're standing and swaying to the music and maybe singing along with a few of the choruses and you feel good about yourself. You close your eyes and it's just, it, it's like being, as someone said, at a Phil Collins concert back in the 1980s, swaying to the music. And then a guy comes up wearing a pair of jeans and a and some kind of a golf shirt And he gets up there with his little plexiglass table and he begins to give you a wonderful pep talk, great slideshow and some videos, light show and all. And at the appropriate time, the, the band gathers together on the stage and begins to play that music as he draws the service to a close. And she said those services were good and she felt that she had a good relationship with her Lord until the pandemic. And she said her church and their multimedia department scrambled to put together a streaming video of a service where they had the praise band and a few other people that could legally be inside the building to put this together as a stream service on a Sunday morning. And she said the second time she watched it, it suddenly hit her, it's a theatrical presentation. I mean, the light show, the music, everything is so choreographed, so predictable. And you're told this is all a free expression worship. She said it's more control than she ever conceived. Like there's a director up there somewhere pointing out what everybody's supposed to do at this time. We have traded in some sound preaching. We've traded in giving worship to God instead of, giving us better feelings about ourselves. In other words, we've we've substituted a cheap gospel, cheap grace, as Bonhoeffer once said. Dietrich Bonhoeffer he was he got it right. Cheap grace is you know is salvation without repentance It, it, it doesn't have any skin in the game, in other words, it's all about us. And that's where too many people live today. One of the things I'm really trying to accomplish in my personal life, and I feel God's calling, yeah, this radio show is important and I want it to grow. And I want more people to be involved, not just in listening, not just in supporting, but actually being a participant in producing and creating. How we'll get to that point, I don't know, but God does. If something were to happen to me, should the show just disappear, or should the entire concept of this program and other ministries that could be associated with Truth to Ponder, they should be entities that are not requiring me as its foundation. Christ should be the sure foundation, not Bob Bierman, not even my friend Jim Calhoun, nobody really. Christ needs to be the sure foundation. I'm a called and ordained minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Because of the pandemic, as many of us were, and of course, I'm semi-retired too, so it wasn't like I was actively pastoring a church when all this began. I was in ministry where I was going to use my retirement time to help plant churches, and all that fell apart at the end of 2019. As we made plans for 2020, they all got evaporated and pushed off to the side. But I really believe in my heart we have a window of opportunity coming up in 2022, I'll be meeting with somebody who's a, shall we say, frustrated, ordained clergyman himself, has been through a rough time, but God has a calling on his heart. Others that are beginning their own ministries in video and similar things to what I'm doing, and I'm trying to get us together to talk together, to work together, to do things for the cause of Christ together while we have time. I'm not in competition with anybody. I do something that is unique to what I'm called to do. Others do probably a far better job than I do in terms of the news, that's their specialty. In terms of preaching, there are others that do a better job. We need to work to build up and support each other. I believe Truth to Ponder, because of its uniqueness in using shortwave and, and probably expanding I pray to maybe even additional radio, and yes, online, can be a small part of what God is calling his people to begin doing to get out of the catacomb for a while, come to the marketplace, and share the good news, and prepare people for the times ahead. Question, do you believe in the work that we're doing here at Truth to Ponder? And if you do, what you consider financially supporting us? I'm not paid. Jim Calhoun is not paid. We do this program. God is taking care of my personal needs. And I give this time back in putting all this together and wanting to grow it far beyond who I am so others may have this platform when their time comes. You can support us from the website, which is truth2ponder.com. A reminder again, and I'm not going to put you on a mailing list, I promise. If you send me a direct email, bob at truth2ponder.com, let me know how you're listening. I promise you, you're not going on a mailing list. I'm not going to start sending you lots of emails saying, support us. I just want to know. But if you can, and if God has laid it upon your heart, you can do it from the website, or you can make a check payable to Ancient Word Radio, mail to truth to pondercom 5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248. That's 5753 Highway 85 North, number 3248 in Crestview, Florida. Crestview, Florida, 32536. Zip code again, 32536. And we will be back tomorrow on Friday. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website